Ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen. Podcasting. Podcasting from Sydney, Australia. This is the Prime Podcast. Independent, unfiltered, and uncensored. Beginning in three, two, one. Alessandro, thank you very much for joining me. How are you? All right, man. How are you doing? Good, man. Good. Now, I appreciate you doing this. It was very last minute. I think I only reached out to you two days ago. Or was it yesterday? The last few days has been yeah. a blur. But, man, I appreciate you doing this so quickly. It's my pleasure to be here. So, for a bit of a background. So, um, I saw a conversation you had on Instagram Live with a, a buddy of mine, Dr. Joseph Yee. And hearing from you exactly what it was like over there in your experience um, was mind-blowing uh, for me personally because obviously when you're dealing with China, a lot, you don't really know what's going on there. You only know what they want you to know. So what I was seeing from your page, obviously I went on there and followed you and I was looking at your stories and I could see that you're in that facility in Shanghai. And seeing that firsthand, um, mate, I was lost for words and I couldn't believe the way they treat people in there. It, it's it's probably worse. It's just as bad, if not worse, than jail. So There's a lot of similarities, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Even the bathrooms. Like, I, I think in jail, you probably get a better bathroom than what you get in that facility. It was, it's mind-blowing. But so I wanted to talk to you about, obviously, your experience there and how that happens over there. So how you obviously you test positive, then you end up in that facility, how mm-hmm. that happens and what it's like. So what... What date were you? So was it just a? Did you test yourself, or was it a, a PCR test over there? How did you find out you had COVID the first time? Sure. So the first time I found out that I was positive to COVID was for an antigen test that they sent me at home, and um, yeah, I took the test. So that was the twenty sixth of March, and I got the two lines. Yep. Eventually, they came to my door. So from by the way, from that moment, they just said, "Do not leave your home. Just stay there." So did, and, did, uh, sorry, did you have to register that result? So, okay, the, the way, uh, let me take a step back. The way that it works here in China is that pretty much from the beginning of March, they started doing regular PCR tests to people. And eventually you actually, by, the, by, the mid, by mid-March, you needed a negative PCR test result in order to access some buildings. For example, I needed a a negative PCR result to access my work uh, building. I needed a negative PCR result every 48 hours to access my gym. So they were kind of, they were not, you know, it wasn't mandatory, but they were somewhat forcing you to go and do these PCR tests. And then cases just started uh, increasing, positive cases started increasing in Shanghai. And uh, on the 26th of March, actually, I did accompany my girlfriend to hospital to get a PCR test because she was feeling unwell. And obviously, all of this, when all of this was happening, when we had no clear idea of how China was going to be handling this virus, so I brought her to the hospital on the 26th. She didn't get her result yet, but then they sent us an antigen test at home. Mine was positive, hers was negative, but then eventually it turns out that she tested positive from that PCR test that she did on 26th of March. And I eventually ended up testing positive via PCR test on the 28th of March. Um, what happened then is kind of nuts because basically on the 28th of March, my girlfriend gets taken away from home because she tested positive first. 
And so, she's what, taken- what do you mean taken away? Do you mean they? So they they obviously they're right. aware of the positive result. Mm-hmm. And then, so how do you have to register that, or is that already documented from the hospital? So, well, if it's it's documented by the hospital, everything is in the cloud. Everything is stored into a database that uh, I suppose pretty much uh, anyone working in the medical environment would ha- be able to have access to. So if you go to one of these hospitals to take a PCR test, they would know. Eventually, they came to my door to take the PCR test. And obviously, in that case, it was still uh, the, the information was stored in the cloud and everyone could see it. Everyone knew that both me and my girlfriend were positive. She was positive first by PCR. I tested positive afterwards by PCR. She was taken away on the 28th of March and brought to one of these facilities. And I was taken away eventually on the 9th of April, almost two weeks later. The reason for that being that uh, when uh, she was kind of unlucky by uh, when she went to do that test at the hospital, because it turns out that her name just ended up at the top of the list. Meanwhile, my name, having done the PCR test a couple of days later, went at the bottom of a list. And so when, um, when they started going through this list and bringing positive cases to these isolation centers, she was taken away pretty much immediately. When it was my turn, there were not enough bed spaces left. They were already packed with people and they had no facility in which they could put me in. And so they made me wait and wait and wait and wait at home. I, the last PCR positive result that I had, I had was from the 2nd of April. Then on the 5th of April, they sent me an antigen test at home, which tests which result where the result is negative. And I'm like, okay, maybe I'm I'm gonna be able to, you know, avoid going to COVID camp. But then no, no words until the 9th of April. On the 9th of April, my community manager, the community manager is the uh, the guy that manages the whole community, my compound where I live in. He just sends me a message and says they're gonna come and pick you up today. And eventually at 1.30, they, they start blasting this megaphone at the entrance of my building, just telling me to come down. And so I had my luggage ready and everything, and I just leave because, you know, I comply with Chinese laws and regulations because I'm a guest here. I'm not in Italy. I'm not a Chinese person. I have to abide by their rules and regulations. So, yeah, I just went and my adventure started, basically. Yeah, so... When they come and get you, obviously it's not optional. You, you can't just say, oh, listen, I would I like to stay at home and get better at home. It doesn't work like that there. Obviously not. No. That would, that would be for, sorry, guys. I would I'd really appreciate if you could leave me at home and recover. <laughs> no, I don't think they would get that. And uh, again, I didn't, uh, I didn't uh, there was no resistance from my side, but I know some Chinese people did resist being mm. taken away and they were just, you know, people entering their homes and being taken away by force. So I don't think, I think maybe if I had refused, they would have called the police, they would have banged at my door, but they would have never dared to come inside a foreigner's place. I don't know about that. At the same time, for what I just said, you know, okay, I'll just do it because you guys say it. This changes my perspective on China completely. I'll deal with it. I'll go to COVID camp. But then, you know, it's a bye-bye for me because <laughs> being treated like this, anyone, I think even Chinese people don't, didn't like being taken away from their homes and put in this facilities that, as, as you were mentioning before, they're far from, you know, being a good place for people to heal. Yeah. It's crazy. It's like thousands of individuals at very close contact in very unhealthy conditions, just yeah. waiting for the virus to leave their body. 
no medical treatment whatsoever. So it, it's crazy. And when I seen that, I'm thinking, how? Like, it's obviously it's a gross violation of your human rights. Absolutely, not even up for debate. Mm-hmm. So, and even obviously to the Chinese people, I mean, it's it, you don't treat a human being like that. You're getting treated like essentially like animals, right? And what surprised me the most is that there hasn't been a single word about that from any Western leader, the United States, Australia, Canada, the UK. It's been very quiet. I'm thinking, how can that, because it's not exactly hidden, like we all know what's happening there. How is it that that can happen? And the Western leaders aren't condemning China for the, the way they're treating human beings, because it, as I said, it's terrible. It's, it's more like how you would treat a sick animal rather than mm-hmm. a sick person. And, Okay, so they've picked you up and they've taken you. And obviously you said there wasn't enough, there wasn't bed. So you had to just wait at home. So when eventually you did end up in the facility, what's that like inside that facility when you first enter that? Yeah, so I arrived at the center on, at 2 a.m. on the 10th of April. And, um, you know, you go in, they put, write down your details, your name, your passport number. Do you have any symptoms? They get you to sign a sort of a paper where you basically they state that you're not supposed to receive any sort of medical treatment unless you're about to die <laughs> basically and uh, and, they expect and you, you go to sign in this, that. yeah yeah i guess i mean yes they do otherwise i think they can refuse to uh to accept you in that facility and the reason why i actually wanted to go into one of those facilities is because i had spent the whole day being bounced around i went to a first facility twice and I was refused twice because of in the first instance I I said I couldn't speak English nor Chinese and they didn't want to accept me for that reason but then I spent seven hours in a bus they brought me back to the same facility at nine in the evening at nine at night and in that case I was like okay guys I speak English I'm sorry for what I said before <laughs> just give me a bed I want to go to sleep now because I know I'm not going to get out of this and they were just like no way, we, we cannot accept you here. This is this facility is not good for a foreigner. You know, the conditions inside are terrible. So, and I asked them, is it good enough for a Chinese? What are you talking about? Obviously, they didn't answer back and they put me back in the bus. Anyways, when I reached the second facility at 2 a.m. in the morning, I was just like, okay, you know, this is home for the next few days. <laughs> well, I don't know what else I'm going to do. I, I was late at night, so I just wanted to get some sleep and uh, and. I decided the next day to just have a walk around and see the, the, the place. But yeah, it just felt, you know, felt like my dignity was taken away from me. I was taken away from my home. I had a whole journey to get to one of these isolation center. And I had an idea of what I was, uh, what was coming to me, you know, what to expect because, because my girlfriend had already been in one of these centers for a long while. And there's common traits amongst all of these facilities but yeah, I was just like, let's get, let's get, let's deal with this. Mm. I'm going to make some noise because I don't think anybody should be treated this way. And I, I don't want to be political about this. I just want to show images of how people are being treated. I don't want to make any comments on the government. I, as a personal, as an, as an individual, I don't think this is the way to go. Mm. I think this is, as you were also mentioning, it's, it has a, it's mistreating people it's treating people i I felt like cattle you know animals (laughs) but and it it, worst thing it has an effect on their psychological well-being on their mental health 
my girlfriend especially she actually wrote some pretty uh thoughtful and uh, deep posts on instagram about her state of mind about her mental health after 19 days in one of these places mm. and you know you, you i've you sleep four or five hours per night because it's super loud and my neighbor was terrible he liked he liked to blast his phone at full volume at 4 a.m in the morning I, I, and, I was, nice yeah. stories. <laughs> and then the lights were kept on 24 7 I mean, I need I need darkness, and science also proved that you should be trying to avoid light as much as possible from like ten in the, ten at night until six in the morning. You need a good a good amount of sunlight, but artificial light like this on the whole night is no good for the human brain, is no good for the human well being. So yeah, this it's a combination of things that just make me think this was all a political decision, and the individual, the human being. And their well-being was not even kept in mind when this whole plan was designed. Mm. And it hasn't been like that forever. So when did they start? So how long have you been in China? And when did they start sending people to these facilities? I've been in China for, it's um, it's going to be seven years in September this year. Oh, wow. So, so six years and a half now. And up until March... I think the first facility, I, f- I first heard about these facilities on the 20th of March, 2022. Up until then, my experience in China was actually really good. Uh, sure, sure. Before 2020, before COVID started, it was amazing because I was traveling a lot with work and I got a lot of satisfaction and I was, I was, I was enjoying life. I was working on my career, getting a lot of experience. Then 2020 happened and things started, and things closed up here in China. So... Initially, we were actually in a safe spot because I remember Shanghai recovering from the first wave of COVID in uh, February 2020, around mid-March. Around mid-March, we we were already going to club nights and restaurants were opening again. And eventually, China fully recovered and the rest of the world started struggling with COVID. So Mm. actually, we were in a good position. Uh, And then even in the past couple of years there were some waves of covid but they were always manageable especially here in shanghai they were they would always find them at the very beginning put everything under control isolate areas of the city and nobody had any problems with covid now this particular strain of omicron is very very trans- it's easily transmittable more easily transmittable and therefore it just you know it just confused the whole system and it they were not prepared for a virus this easily transmittable Mm. so yeah things have changed dramatically and i think you know they are not gonna get better than this because sure this time it's this omicron that it's easily transmittable uh, but death rates have been very low what if it's easily transmittable and death rates are going to be very high i mean this this reaction of the chinese government has been very I mean, it seems like they're just very unprepared for this and they really did not know exactly what to do. And I'm afraid of what's coming next because, you know, if this situation is bad now, surely it can get better and I really hope it gets better for everyone else, but it could get also worse. (laughs) I don't want to be around when that happens. Of course, it could definitely get worse. But as you said, let's hope that this is sort of the back end of it. Yeah, for sure. But it's, it's incredible because... You know, the first glimpse I saw of, of COVID here in Australia, the first thing we saw was people 
in Wuhan who were just collapsing on the streets. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think now we all know that that doesn't happen. Like I'm yet to find, to see another instance of that in any other place on the planet besides mm-hmm. in Wuhan, you haven't seen that anywhere else. So you would have to assume that, that, you know, that was fabricated. Why? I don't know, but it just, you don't see people just collapsing, walking down the street. So there's been a lot of mystery sort of surrounding it in terms of what's going on over there, but, and it, it has been quiet. Like we haven't heard much from China throughout the entire thing besides, you know, initially, and obviously now in Shanghai with the, the facility, you know, 2021, you know, the back end of 2020, I guess it's been fairly quiet, um, you know, as to what's going on over there, but, and you just explained why that is. I mean, they've seemed to have handled it pretty well, pretty comfortably. But only the other day I saw images of temporary fencing being erected through Shanghai. Is that, is that happening? Is that temporary? That's my question. Well, <laughs> it is happening, yes. It, yeah, it, no, looks, no. it looks like temporary <laughs> fencing, but whether they've got <laughs> plans, who knows? <laughs> Jokes aside, yes, there have been uh, fences being put up around certain streets in Shanghai. And uh, I guess I'm assuming the main reason for that is either to make sure that people don't leave their compounds or their apartments and go out in the city, especially if they, you know, they could test positive and they could spread the virus even further. Or it could also be because there's a lot of, every day, basically, people in compounds and buildings are asked to come down to do a PCR test. So every day I get, I've got, I get waking up uh, or, or I, I hear the usual, you know, megaphone saying this message, everybody come down and get your PCR test. Everybody get down and get your PCR test. And this applies to everyone here in Shanghai. Everyone is supposed to get those PCR tests done. So I'm assuming that these fences could also be to make sure that, you know, people line up correctly on the street. They just don't go around. It's all a matter of containment, though. And, uh, yeah, it is true. It is also true that people are not happy with this, especially when the fences have been put in front of an entrance of a building. I don't know if you've seen some photos of, you know, this green fences being put at an entrance of a building and people doing PCR tests from the fence. So the one, one side, the, the nurses doing the PCR test and on the other side of the fence, the, the people living in the building coming down for the PCR test. And I've also that, seen that's videos every of day. people. Yeah. For, for us, at least I know it's for sure every day. I'm assuming all of the other communities and buildings would be doing it every day. And, and you that's a lot of waste. Like, is, it, is it optional? <laughs> like, can you say, oh, no, I don't want it? Um, so it, it's interesting you, you mentioned this because right today, today we received a message um, uh, from one of those general, I guess, Chinese numbers. I think it may be from the government. I, I don't know. But it says that everybody should come down and do the PCR test. And if you don't do the PCR test, there is a, the, your code. Green, we have a special code here, in, a health code here in Shanghai, which basically allows us to enter buildings. So usually if we go to a shopping center, for example, they would ask you at the entrance, show me your code. Now, if your code is green, no problem. If it's uh, yellow, you may have a problem. If it's red, I'm going to call the police on you right now. So this message that we received today, uh, we says that if you don't come down to do that PCR test, your code is going to turn from green to yellow. 
if it's red no problem you can stay red for a while i'm red code so i'm i'm like the worst but uh yeah so people's code are gonna be uh changed in in color and you know eventually you can refuse i guess you can refuse to come down but when things open up you will have a very hard time going around and you will still have to do those pcr tests so yeah they are not forcing you but they are kind of forcing you in a way yeah that makes similar, sense yeah i understand it's, it's similar to what's happening over here with the the vaccine mandates they're not they're not holding you down and and, and forcing you to take it but they're them you know what option do you have you know if you don't take it mm. um you're not going to be able to live your life and that's what's happened here but i mean over there with vaccination what are they like with vaccination are they you know do you have to be vaccinated in order to to go to the shops and for dinner or it's interesting here, the vaccine is not mandatory. And I know quite a few people, me included, that haven't done the vaccine uh, here in China. So from that perspective, I guess, you know, they give the freedom for people to, uh, to not get a vaccine. I don't know what's the main reason behind that. There have been studies that I was reading that show that the Chinese vaccine is way less effective than others that are available outside. But ultimately... I have a feeling that they are a bit scared of forcing something like that on the population because uh, that already there are some, you know, uh, people, some sort of revolts or some dissent coming from the people now that they're being closed in their apartments. But technically, it's for the good of everyone, right? Uh, however, the vaccine, I don't know, I don't think maybe a lot of people agree it's for the good of everyone and being forced to do, to inject something that they don't want to get injected with maybe could cause some proper disruption to the whole system. But that's just my opinion on this. Uh, to answer your question, Chinese vaccine is not mandatory. And actually, even for traveling and stuff, you don't need one. Before this whole COVID situation happened, you could easily travel just by showing uh, a one or two negative PCR tests in a row. Like I said, have people been you know, are forced out of work? You know, is there conditions on employment that you have to be vaccinated to work at certain places or in certain industries? Not at all. Not as far as I know. And uh, I need to, I would need to double check on the teacher's side of thing, but I do think that teachers also don't necessarily need to be vaccinated. Don't uh, take this for like 100% truth because I haven't double checked. But in my case and in my girlfriend's case, we don't need a vaccine to be able to work. And we work for a music company. Uh, so I guess, yeah. We don't, we're not really in contact with a lot of people, but at the same time, it's not mandatory. And therefore, we, we don't do it for the moment. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll look into that some more myself because it's very interesting because over here, look, um, you know, I was um, working in mental health um, mm. and I, was, um, I had my, my employment terminated back in August last year for not um for not getting vaccinated um and that's just my you know they've, they've done the same thing there's vaccine mandates for teachers for nurses for, for you know health obviously um disability mental health hospitals gps medical centers yeah. the rest of it um and there are a lot of industries um as i said including teachers um child care workers even supermarkets have mandated on their staff so people are getting sacked from supermarkets if they haven't had the vaccine. So it is enforced over here, which it sounds like it's not a massive thing over there, which is bizarre. 
Yeah, I mean, you would think that they would force it, and maybe things are going to change after this. But still, a lot, a lot of people that have vaccinated have still contracted uh, COVID and are still able to pass it around. Surely, the effects on them may be diminished because of the virus. But at the same time, it's not a deterrent. It hasn't proven to be a deterrent here yet. So we'll see what they will be doing in the future. I'm not sure about what's the policy on that, what's the strategy on that. But yeah, you would think that because they want to have a zero COVID policy that eventually they may end up asking, asking slash forcing people (laughs) to get vaccined at some point. Yeah, I'm I'm just very surprised that it's not worse over there. So it seems like it's worse over here in Australia. And I think a few other countries like the US and the UK than what it is in China, which is incredible you would never think that these the western countries um have mandates when when china doesn't but it just goes to show you the 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 way it, it, it's so political it's this whole thing has become it's almost entirely political it's not about health it's political and you know it's um very unfortunate um and especially for yourself and for your partner to have been through that i mean did that facility in itself. So there's no bathrooms in there. Like there's no showers and baths. Is there? It's just like a, a yeah. sink from what I could see. Is that right? Yeah. Sink and uh, squat toilets. Uh, so basically, yeah, if you wanted to go to the bathroom, you have a squat toilet, but then if you want to wash yourself, uh, it, I washed my hair under a sink and I used like a bucket, filled it with water, got my towel, Sink the towel in the bucket and then wash myself like this, basically. Wow, that's crazy. Uh, you get showers. Yeah. Every jail, you get showers. That's why it's incredible. That, that this is looked at like as the, and the fact that there's no treatment offered, um, and not only that, obviously artificial lighting. Do you get much time to go outside? And because I've seen that you were exercising a little bit, how much time mm-hmm. do you get outdoors? Is that as much as you want, or only when they say? Only when they say, but I have to uh, have to give it to them that they were giving us quite some freedom when it came to going outside. I know like in my girlfriend's center, she didn't get that much time outside, especially at the beginning. They wouldn't let her out that much, maybe one or two hours a day. But in my center, apart from that one day where I don't know what, what came across their mind, but they said after just one hour that we were outside, everyone come in and they didn't let anyone out for the rest of the day. Usually we could roam outside quite freely. So, yeah, we were, I guess, lucky from that perspective. But, uh, yeah, the bathrooms and the showers is just uh, <laughs> it's kind of camping style. I don't know, camping without showers, I guess. Yeah, and, and I've seen the food as well. Like, I don't know how you ate, I don't know how you ate that. Half of the, the, a few of the meals that you posted <laughs> up, they, they get served, like breakfast gets served in plastic bags. Yeah, that's a huge amount of waste. But apart from that, I, I wasn't eating that much. Anyways, because, well, I'm a, I'm a flexitarian. I, I try to avoid meat as much as possible. But in that situation, I, I was avoiding the meat almost completely. And, uh, yeah, trying to get some carbs in with the rice and the veggies. But I did lost, I think, a couple of kilos in six days because I was eating way less than my usual. I'm one, one meter 86, so I, I usually eat quite a lot. Yeah, but yeah, same height, exactly the same height as I am. So I know what it's right like. I, I ate um <laughs> quite a bit, but it's it's horrible. So okay, so you've got COVID again now. So how come this time they're not picking you up? Because you have COVID right now, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I tested positive on the 22nd of April. I don't feel bad. I'm perfectly normal, but yeah, technically I still have COVID. So it's how, weird how come they're not taking you to, to the facility? Uh, well, that is a good question. And uh, so I, I've had a chat with a, a person from my office who's responsible with all the government uh, communications and connections. And she has, uh, she knows someone from the... Um, health care system i guess and uh, this person is aware that once you you get covid for the first time there can be traces of the virus that stay in you for quite some time and therefore for this reason i hope that they will not be taking me away however i don't have the certainty at 100 until i receive a call from the cdc here and uh, i you know, I get told what to do. I'm assuming in the best case scenario, they'll just uh, wait a little bit longer. Now it's been four days since my last PCR test. They'll wait maybe a couple of more days and they'll send someone to do another PCR test. If they want to play it by the books, I suppose I'm, I have to go back to <laughs> quarantine camp, but <laughs> I hope they won't. For me, for myself, but also for them, because I'm going to make a mess out of it if they send me back to those quarantine oh, isolation centers. <laughs> well, I, I, I hope for I'm you listening. as well, obviously, that you don't get transported back there because you've only been out of there now for a little while. So hopefully they leave you alone and you get to stay where you are. And as I said, it's very unlikely. I was saying before we went on and recorded that it's very unlikely that you would have caught COVID again that close to your previous infection. Yeah. It's almost certainly just traces of your, your last um, COVID infection. So hopefully they leave you alone and let you be, but it's um, incredible. So what's your thoughts in terms of moving forward? I mean, do you want to, are you happy to stay in China considering the circumstances or are you going to try and get back to Italy? We are going back to Italy. Uh, when that is going to happen, it's unclear because uh, we have a cat as well. Uh, right now she's at a friend's house, but uh, we need to prepare the documents for the cat to leave. And uh, right now we're in home quarantine, like home lockdown. We cannot leave our house. All the probably places where we could go and get those documents are all closed. So that may take a bit. I wanted to try and help the landlord who's not here in China at the moment to sell this apartment as well. And there may be a project at work that I want to finish before I leave. So we're looking at end of October beginning of november the latest however if things start going sideways even more than what they are they are now we're going to be trying and leave earlier and you know carry on with our lives and obviously the uh, sorry alessandra i'm not sure what happened then it just decided to to cut us off but um okay so you're sorting out the the, the paperwork for your cat and hopefully um you're heading back to Italy. will it be a will you come back to china again after what you've gone through here in the last few months that's a good question. I haven't thought about it, but I think it's going to be hard anyways for, for, for quite some time because uh, even now it's really complicated to come back to China. I know a few people that work in China, have contracts here in China, and they are struggling to be able to come back to China. Plus, it's really expensive too. <laughs> so, it's expensive, isn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they have so many... So flying outside of China, you can get away with it with maybe... 600 700 euros yeah. but coming back to china that already bumps up the price to like 2000 even 3000 euros I've, I've i've heard so it's an investment and mm. uh, i guess it's an investment that i wouldn't be thinking about for quite some time when things settle down i'd love to come back to china and just 
you know, say hi. <laughs> yeah. Have a, have some fun around in the streets, no lockdowns. <laughs> but it's with this zero COVID policy, I have a feeling that they are going to be keeping things the way they are for quite some time, specifically international travel. It's going to be very complicated. So, yeah, yeah I, I want to settle down elsewhere, but I wouldn't mind coming back to China at some point. You know, six years here, a lot of memories and probably good reason to come back at some point as well. Of course, it's a, it's a large chunk of your life that you've spent over there. And it's such a shame, you know, this this pandemic has has destroyed the lives of so many people and in different ways. Um, I mean, it's it's very unfortunate that, because from what I understand, you seem to have been loving it over there, having a great time, and you really enjoyed yourself until COVID started. But this COVID, this zero COVID strategy that China mm-hmm. have, it's, you know, they've tried that here in Australia in different various states, and it's almost impossible. It'd be like try, trying to stop the flu, right? It's, it's probably not going to happen. And I guess ultimately the, the victims of, of that policy are people like yourself and the Chinese people who are having their lives turned upside down every time there's a new, a new variant. Yeah. And it's, it's unfortunate, but I mean, it's what can you do? I mean, it, so Shanghai where you are now, has that been pretty good? So he did say it was pretty good up until recently. Yeah. So they've but they it kept seems a lot like of it. it. Oh, sorry. They kept a lot of it in, in and around Wuhan for the majority uh, there's been a few cases popping up in Xi'an in at the at, towards the end of 2021. I think it was December 2021 or beginning of 2022. And now it feels that it's spreading uh, around the country. I think Beijing is going to be soon going into lockdown mode, similar to Shanghai, hoping to, I guess, for them to prevent a similar situation. But uh, before that, I guess the major outbreaks would have been in Wuhan for sure, Xi'an, and now Shanghai. That's what I personally know about. But yeah, zero COVID policy, it's a tricky one. It's a fight against Mother Nature. That's why I think it's going to be really, really hard. Humans against, uh, well, politics against Mother Nature. But I think yeah. it's going to pan out well for them. No, and in terms of what you what you hear over there in China, obviously you have Facebook and Instagram and all the rest of it. Um you can access, but in terms of the Chinese media, do they speak about what's happening in other parts of the world much? In other parts of the world, I'm not entirely sure. I think the propaganda here is more aimed at making the, the what's happening in the West look bad. Mm. You know, America is bad, NATO is bad. Uh, the virus was brought in by an American scientist uh, who <laughs> did experiments in China. That's why that, there was an outbreak in Wuhan. So, yeah, the, the media's attention is probably mostly focused on trying to diverge the attention on what the problem is here in Shanghai. I do have a feeling that people that just watch uh, news on television wouldn't uh, would actually not know what's going on in Shanghai right now. Luckily, we have, well, the, the digital community here is very strong. And although videos get taken down fairly quickly, they can still spread and people can still be aware of what's going on about the fences, about the... Uh, COVID isolation centers about people being taken away by force. These videos have been shared and I'm pretty, I'm actually hundred percent sure that especially the kids, you know, they wouldn't know what's going on. But again, from knowing what's going on and actually not being okay with it, it's a, it's a big step. And, um, you know, China doesn't really have a history of 
being uh, too revolutionary, I guess, mm. especially in the like, past few years. But ultimately, that is also because they had, they had a good life. You know, mm. they had their mobile phones. They had a decent income. They could go out and eat food with friends. P- pretty, much not, pretty much the vast majority of people living in, in China. So they didn't have much to complain. Now with this whole um, situation, maybe there were there, some of those, you know, revolutionary fires will be rekindled. But uh, we'll see. I, I think in the next two to three weeks, we'll start seeing how this probably pro, uh, uh, how this plays out yeah. properly. Now, so you mentioned there that the American scientists. What's their official story on? in China anyway, as to how this virus started, because there's theories of um, it coming from the wet market in Wuhan. There's theories of it mm-hmm. leaking from the, the bio, the bio lab in Wuhan. Uh, there's many, and most recently um, there's a documentary going around. It's called watch the water and where they mm. actually, I don't know if you've seen oh, it. Oh yeah. I've seen it being passed around and I wanted to watch it, but yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Where they, where they reckon it, it, it's some sort of the virus itself is Cobra venom. So there's many different theories um, as to what's actually happened. So what's the Chinese official story as to how it started? Just out of curiosity, because so, I have no idea. I don't know. the. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. The official one, and again, it's uh, very... It's, uh, I haven't gone around and asked too many people because most of the information was actually coming from my neighbor who, anyways, watches a lot of national television and is an older man. So like he's probably in his 70s. So it's the kind of perfect target for, uh, I guess, propaganda. Mm. And he was, I remember this time, my girlfriend was speaking to him because my Chinese is not that good, but (laughs) she mentioned him saying that it was a Chinese, sorry, an American scientist who came to Wuhan to do some sort of experiments. And then he brought the virus with him on something on these lines. But this, this idea that it's always someone else's fault is actually very typical throughout Chinese media Mm. and uh, television. Because, I guess they, I don't, okay. I am not a scientist. I don't, I also read that this virus could have started from Wuhan, the wet market. Now you're telling me it's Cobra venom. So there's a lot of different opinions about it. And mm. I guess truth is going to be the, the truthful, the real one is never going to be 100% sure unless, you know, it's proven by science itself and by facts. But yeah. If you ask me, I have a feeling it all started from Wuhan and mm. from that wet market. From my experience, from what I was reading, even, what was it? We were talking about this here in China already in December. There was a friend of mine, I remember he shared with me this article about the wet market in Wuhan. And he was like, oh, this could be a big thing. And I was like, no, nah, come on, man. It's going to be okay. <laughs> so it turns out it wasn't. Wow. But yeah. Uh, my, if you, if you ask me, I, I think it's uh, pro- it probably came from that wet market in Wuhan. But again, there are so many theories, and people see it in so much with such a different way. I think if you ask older Chinese generation, they would probably stick with the fact that it, it was coming from a foreigner and it was brought into China, so it wasn't their fault. Yeah, it's in, you know because there's, there's definitely been deception. One hundred percent, there's definitely been deception in the sense where. It, it's become evident as time's gone on that China were aware of this virus well before they spoke about it publicly. They tried shutting mm-hmm. it down, um, you know, a month or even a month or two before we'd heard about it. I'm not trying to suppress it. 
And then when we did hear about it, we're getting bombarded with the videos of, of people collapsing in the street in Wuhan, just walking and next minute they're just collapsing face first on the ground. Um, as mm. I said, I haven't seen that in Australia or reported anywhere else in the world um, besides China. So you would have to suspect that that's a lie. Like we know now that people don't just collapse in the middle of the day from COVID. Yeah. So there's definitely been a level of deception um, from the get-go. The question I think is why, like if it's a virus and it got out from a lab or it was a part of, you know, from the, the wet market, um, like you seem mm-hmm. to believe it is, then that's okay. It is what it is, you know, just try and, and better prepare the world um, and, and, you know, and use this as a lesson for, for the future to make sure it doesn't happen again. Um, but instead there was, as I said, deception, there was lies, there was cover-ups, there was a whole range of things in play now, I am aware that that China like to protect their reputation. Um, yeah. I get that, um, and that's their business, obviously. That they they run the the country as they like. But you know, the fact that there's been no finger pointing, there's been no obviously with what's happening now in Ukraine with Russia, we can see that the Western leaders are sanctioning Russia. Their, their point that they're blaming Russia and, and they're going hard on them. Mm-hmm. But there's been none of that from the West towards China, which I find very mm. bizarre in itself. Um, so look, who knows? It's, 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 it's a mystery in terms of this. It's, I, yeah, go on. I have a feeling that the world still needs China for a lot of things, you know, technology goods that China has been exporting for the last years. You could argue the same for, for Russia about the oil and the gas, but at the same time, you know, Russia, attacked another country china is kind of keeping it within its own borders so yeah i suppose nobody really nobody really wants to piss off these big powers these big countries but in the case of russia what russia did is out of this world and it's despicable and i'm you know it's good that they're sanctioning them because i hope it's going to pay uh, pay out and it's going to make a difference. But in, when it comes to China, you know, it's, what, are, what are they going to sanction them for? For stating that the virus didn't come from China? That's, uh, that's, that, that, that doesn't work too well, I think. And it would look a little bit ridiculous, maybe. So mm. as long as China keeps it within its own borders, I think the, yeah, people are going to be looking at China like, what are you guys doing? But I guess as long as you keep it within your own territory that's fine by me <laughs> yeah that's how i see it yeah no it, it's understandable um what are you obviously russia and china being allies what what are you hearing about the war um from the chinese media are they sort of quiet on the issue are they painting a different picture <laughs> they're not quiet on the issue i mean there's a lot of propaganda in favor of Russia, which is one of the other reasons why we are actually looking into leaving the country because we, well, my girlfriend is Ukrainian, so I'm biased. I'm biased for a good reason, but I'm biased. And, uh, you know, this whole propaganda in favor of Russia, again, against America, against NATO, uh, because they need to support their, I guess, commie bodies. I don't know. It's just not... It's just not something that resonates well with us. And even working in China and being in China, just it's starting to feel like, uh, am I contributing to that war? 
on the wrong side, you know, and it's, it makes you think. And I think a lot of people are going to start realizing that the more China gets closer to Russia. I honestly hope that China, even though they try to keep the propaganda in favor of Russia, because, you know, Xi Jinping's friendship with, with Putin is above all sort of limits. So they want to keep that image there. But I do hope that they will not give any sort of, you know, like support in terms of weapons, in terms of manpower. If the support keeps coming from a media perspective, I, I'm not okay with it, but you guys do you. If the support starts coming from a military perspective, then that's when we have a big problem. And I think a lot of people, apart from the fact that a lot of people are planning to leave now China because of this whole COVID situation, Shanghai in particular, I think if China really does get closer to Russia and makes it you know, uh, public, then a lot of people may be leaving China for that reason as well, to not contribute to a war on the wrong side of things. Yeah, well, I think if they do, I mean, the minute they start, you know, um, supporting them with weapons and and then it w- that'll cause a massive worldwide issue. Yeah. It'll almost be looked at like, the, like a, a calling for war. That's how I think mm-hmm. the West would take that if China were to assist Russia with weapons and, and military assistance. So let's hope for the sake of everyone that that doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, it's very unlikely in my opinion, but there is a chance unfortunately so so your, your partner's from ukraine so how is she is her family everyone safe or hope, obviously hope they're all good they're doing good they're doing good yeah and uh they're in zaporizhia which is one of those city on the um, southeast uh very close to one of the nuclear plants that was talked about in the news and uh yeah, her, the city, the part of town where her parents live, oh, there she is. <laughs> <laughs> it was just bombed. Sorry. That's, uh, that's oh, wow. news for me now. Yeah, but her parents are okay, I suppose, but I hope so, yeah. Uh, but okay, she's not doing great. No. And uh, I'm very yeah, sorry the to whole hear situation. that. Please send my, yeah. my best wishes to her and her family. I will. Um, it's uh, but listen on that note i'll i'll leave you with it obviously there's something's going on there so thank you um, i'll let you have a talk to to your partner about it but again make sure please i send my best wishes to her and her family and it's been a pleasure talking to you and i hope that likewise this is the end of it for you and then that you get on with your life and you can get out of china and, and back to some form of normality soon but um alessandro it's been a pleasure thank you very much and, and stay strong thank you for having me the pleasure thank you very much Thank you.